One of the uh, particular joys of my calling here at Covenant is the opportunity to work alongside of and continue to learn from faculty colleagues uh, across the disciplinary spectrum, and especially my colleagues uh, in the sciences. I first met Dan Zydam in the spring of 2005 when he came to interview for a position in the chemistry department. I was impressed with him then, and my respect and appreciation for him has continued to grow over these years. I especially admire the way he conducts himself in the classroom, in the lab, and as a family man. Dan obtained his bachelor's degree in chemistry from Calvin College in 1999 and taught high school chemistry and physics for several years at Grand Rapids Christian High School before starting graduate work at Wake Forest University, from which he graduated with a PhD in organic chemistry in 2005. He began teaching at Covenant in the fall of 2005. I think in many ways that Dan exemplifies the things we prize in faculty members here at Covenant. He is committed to excellent teaching and is enthusiastic about his discipline. And it's obvious that he finds joy in its content and its practice. He has converted many of our biology majors into organic chemistry enthusiasts, no small task, and even enticed a number of them to take advanced organic chemistry. Go figure. He is deeply committed to the holistic mentoring of students in his discipline and has been able to uh, do research with students over the years and along with his students has published uh, three research uh, papers in the past five years. Dan and his wife, Tammy, have four young children, Lauren, Nathan, Joey, and Jake, and they're members of Cornerstone Presbyterian Church. And he's going to come and address us today. Dan? Good morning, everybody. Welcome back. It really is great to be back. Hopefully you feel the same way. Um, I couldn't be more excited to get, get going again. I was, <laughs> you laugh, I'm serious. <laughs> so I was on campus a couple of times over the break, and it's really quiet when you're all gone. And uh, this, this is the way that it's, it's supposed to be. Something feels right about this. So uh, I wanted to talk with you all this morning about some, some important questions that I face as a Christian chemist. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of questions that I could have chosen from. Some of, the, some of the important questions might be questions like, is this chemical one of the dozens of reagents that uh, is a cancer-causing agent in my laboratory? And am I wearing the right kind of gloves. Uh, or another question that I might be faced on a given day is, just how old is this can of isopropyl ether? And if it's past its expiration date, is turning the cap going to unleash an explosion that rids me of my right arm? <laughs> or maybe a question like, uh, just how flammable does extremely flammable mean when it says that on the Bible? <laughs> I know there's an old saying that there are old pyros and there are bold pyros, but there aren't very many old, bold pyros. 
It's okay if you laugh in a couple seconds. Uh, <laughs> so as important and as interesting and as exciting as those questions are, uh, I thought of a couple of other questions that might be a little bit more appropriate to wrestle with, uh, with you all today in this chapel address. And those are questions, uh, the questions are, who am I? What am I working for? Or what am I working with, rather? And who am I working for? Depending on who you talk to, you're going to get different answers. Uh, the world is going to give you one set of answers to those questions, while the scriptures will give you a different set of answers. And so as part of the, the chapel series that the faculty have been giving, uh, listening to scripture, I wanted to emphasize what some of the answers were that come from scripture for those questions, as opposed to some of the answers that the world gives. So I'll be planning to read through a couple of different scripture passages as we progress throughout the talk. Uh, I'm not going to read them all at once here at the beginning, but uh, if you brought your Bible with you, I'd invite you to, talk, to turn to the passages as I get to those different passages as we progress. But let's first think together about the, the first question, who am I? So what the world tells me is that I am my own man and that my identity lies in what I do and what I accomplish, especially as a scientist. Uh, the world tends to tell me that my identity is wrapped up in how many papers I can publish, how many grant proposals I can get funded, how quickly I can move through the ranks and, and get promoted. Uh, I'm guessing that a number of you struggle with this question too. Who am I? Any of you wrestle with uh, finding your identity in that red number that you see at the, the top of your exam when you get that back, or the, the grade that you get in an essay, maybe your performance on the athletic field or court. Uh, I think it's a common struggle for us. Well, what God's word tells me is that my identity lies in the fact that I was created in God's image, uh, the fact that I am utterly dependent on him for his providence for everything. God's word tells me that I am desperately sinful and wicked and that I am in need of redemption, that I have a tendency on my own strength to, to get things wrong. Uh, the scriptures tell me that I'm redeemed by Christ. And uh, another aspect of that, an aspect of that that I think may sometimes get overlooked is that I have been created as a person who is in community. And so I'd like to read with you 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27. The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? And in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. 
they're all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. For God has combined the members of the body and given greater honor to parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. We exist as members in community with one another, and our identity is tied to our link to that community. Ultimately, though, God's word tells me that my identity lies in who I belong to. Now, some of you who know me probably know where I'm going with that. Some of you who know me know that I'm a Dutchman and that I was raised in the Dutch Reformed churches. And uh, the Dutch Reformed churches are confessional churches, too, just like the PCA is. And uh, what that means, briefly, is that we we hold to confessions that uh, interpret and outline the important doctrines of Scripture. And so in the Dutch tradition, one of those confessions is the Heidelberg Catechism. How does the catechism begin? Well, uh, I'm sure that a good number of you know this. Uh, probably a good number of you have been exposed to catechism instruction. Now, as long as churches have had catechism instruction, there have been young people to complain about those catechism classes. <laughs> so every Wednesday night when I was a kid, we would have to go to church, and we would have to go to catechism class. And I would beg my parents, could I please, please just skip this Wednesday night? And, of course, you probably know what the answer was. (laughs) Well, never could have dreamed now here, 25 short years later, that I'd be talking to more or less an entire college campus community about the catechism. So here we go. Heidelberg Catechism question and answer number one. What is your only comfort in life and in death? And the answer is that I am not my own, but I belong body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood. He has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Did you catch that? My identity is tied to who I belong to. And also at the end there, who I am influences what I do and how I do it. Next question, what am I working with? Well, the material world is what the world tells me. Material world, the physical world. And I think it's at this point we should probably... uh, make the comment that there's a lot that the material, uh, that the world gets right about this, right? The world gets a lot right in what it tells us that we're working with. What am I talking about here? I'm talking about common grace, common grace insights. So God in his good providence created humankind in his own image, and because humans have been created in his own image, they have the ability to 
perceive truth to an extent. Even unbelievers have the capacity to get a lot right about the material world. And we as Christians would be fools to shut out that truth. Uh, just take, for example, the process that uh, I enter into when I'm trying to figure out what kind of a textbook I want to use for a given class. There's a lot of things that I look at, right? Uh, I look at the, the depth and the rigor of the book. I look at the clarity of the explanations. Call me juvenile. I look at the pictures. <laughs> I like looking at the art. Uh, I look at the, uh, the appendices, the, the data that's given. Let me tell you one thing that I do not look into is the, the author bios. I don't go looking up and say, okay, now is this author a Christian? Because if they're not a Christian, kick this one to the curb, next. No. Uh, that does not enter into the consideration at all. Well, why not? Well, because praise God and his good providence, he reveals truth to unbelievers, and we as believers uh, can benefit greatly from listening to this. Um, a lot of what I do as a scientist depends very heavily on the work that has been done by the unbelieving world. What God's word tells me, it expands on what the world tells me. In Psalm 24, we read that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And so the application is here that this is God's stuff that I'm working with. These are his laws that I'm studying. I am making and breaking bonds between his carbon atoms, and I'm using the laws he established and still upholds today. There's this idea that physical stuff matters to God. You can't just say, oh, well, it's all going to burn in the end. Uh, may, as well, may as well not be concerned about it. Uh, or you take the, the quip that supposedly was uttered just a, a couple of miles north of here in the, uh, the Scopes trial. Uh, there's a, a quip, I'd rather know the rock of ages than the ages of rocks. <laughs> well, as a scientist, I love the rock of ages. But I also love finding out and calculating the rock, the ages of rocks. Uh, using mathematics of exponential decay. That's right, folks, using half-life equations, uh, figuring that kind of stuff out. That's my idea of a good time. <laughs> Nervous laughter. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, more importantly, though, I can see the hand of God at work when I study radioactive decay processes. I can see the way that God works out his laws that he ordained. And frankly... It helps me get to know and love the Rock of Ages better. Now, I'm not to worship the material world. I'm not even to worship the study of the material world, which can be a snare for me. But I am to respect it. Why? Well, going back to the Heidelberg Catechism, maybe you noticed that when I, when I read that answer, uh, I emphasized the word body and soul. Now, if you read through the Catechism, you'll see that phrase come up a good number of times uh, throughout the 129 questions and answers. Uh, actually counted. It comes up nine times. And uh, that, I'm interested in that because as a scientist, the emphasis on body and soul gives evidence uh, that I think is scriptural that God cares about the physical world. God cares about the material stuff. I and mean, we see that even as early as God charging Adam and Eve in the garden with taking care of his creation. So the point is that the physical is important to God. We are redeemed, body and soul. We look forward to a, a physical resurrection. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. 
God provides for our spiritual needs, but we pray to him for our daily bread too, right? Well, what else does, what else does Scripture tell me about what I'm working with besides simply that it's important? Well, we know that God reveals himself through the created order. So by getting to know and understand the creation better, I get to know God better. Not only this, but God's creation is telling a story. It's telling a story about him. And so I'd like to turn now to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. So do you like the way that Psalm 19 transitions there from talking about general revelation and creation very smoothly into talking about special revelation, the specific word of God? Romans 1 indicates that I am in need of this revelation, this special revelation, because I'm in need of the general revelation being clarified. Now, I've got to make the point that the general revelation, there's no fault within it. It is not unclear. The problem is with me. The problem is that my sin darkens my perception. Scriptures teach me that I'm dull, that I'm blind, that I lack the ability to perceive the truths that the general revelation are showing forth. As a college student, I was painfully shy. Before we were married, Tammy and I worked together at the same after-school job. I liked her. I wanted to ask her out, but I just couldn't get up the nerve to do so. The time came for me to quit my job because I was going to move on campus at Calvin College, and on the very last day of my, my employment at the college, or at the, uh, at, the, at the grocery store where we were working, I went out to my car, and there's a, there's a note stra- strapped underneath my windshield wiper. And so I looked at that, and, and basically it was a note from, from Tammy saying uh, something like, if you ever get home from uh, college, I was going to be moving on, on campus at Calvin College uh, to live in the residence also. She's saying, if you ever get back from the dorms on a weekend and you want to get together and hang out, give me a call. Okay, so you think uh, what the normal person would probably do, uh, if they like her, yeah, give her a call. Not me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the the very sad story is that I just wasn't sure that she liked me. I wasn't sure she wanted me to give her a call. (laughs) I'm dense. (laughs) What can I say? 
I need help understanding. There's no lack in the clarity of communication in that note. There were the, there were the digits, the number. <laughs> well, praise God, God had blessed me with two sisters. And um, <laughs> if he hadn't, I may not be married today. <laughs> so I'm, I'm talking with my sister a little while later, and uh, I'm telling her the story, and you should have seen the look on her face, like confusion probably a mixture of confusion and horror. <laughs> Dan, you need to call her. She likes you. <laughs> and so finally I did, and, and the story has a happy ending. Uh, so I called her, and we, we got together, and we got married, and we live happily, happily ever after. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm hoping that you see the analogy, though. Uh, the creation, the message coming forward from the creation is very clear. Uh, it's, it's our dullness that prevents us from seeing that. And then the, the correlation, God's word, would be like my sister, you know, saying it out, spelling it out clearly in black and white. Uh, God, in, in uh, the scriptures, is essentially saying, I created all this. Worship me. It all declares my glory. Now we chuckle, and it is funny, in a sad kind of way, <laughs> about my story. Uh, but how often does the agnostic say, I just can't see enough evidence in favor of believing for, evidence arguing in favor of a God or against a God. There's just not enough evidence. Uh, That truly is a sad, tragic story. And there are times when I'm looking through the the scientific literature, and especially when I go to conferences, and I hear these unbelieving scientists, uh, sometimes even boldly mocking God to his face. That's tragic, folks. Uh, Seeing what they have seen, what they have been revealed, their understanding of how the material world works and have them not get it. Uh, that's, that's a sad thing to see. And so these are spiritually perceived matters. Uh, I see them, I understand them, not because I'm brilliant. We've already established that. Uh, it's because God has revealed them to me by his spirit. So 1 Corinthians 2, 13 and 14 says this, this is what we speak not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths and spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The point is that I need the Spirit's help, and you need the Spirit's help. Working within us to help us understand what working with and the story that it's telling me about who God is and what he's like. Third question, who am I working for? What the world tells me? I'm working for myself, trying to better myself. How many of you think about your education this way? I've got to better myself. I need to make an investment in myself. Well, there might be some merit in thinking this way. Uh, It's an incomplete picture, to be sure. What What God's Word tells me is that ultimately, all that we are to be doing is to be done to God and to His glory. So now I'll switch over to the Presbyterian standards, shorter catechism question and answer. What is the chief end of man? Chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So there's a sense in which, who are you working for? You're working for the king of kings. Colossians 3.23 spells this out very clearly for us. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord 
as a reward. It is the Lord Christ who you are serving. Uh, I like the way that the teacher puts it in Ecclesiastes 9.10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. So I just welcome and encourage you to hit your studies that way. Take on your studies with all your might. You need to be doing it that way. For another take on this, I'd like to look at Psalm 22, verses 22 through 25. Oh, I lost my bookmark in the book of Psalms. Psalm 22, verses 22 through 25. I will declare your name to my brothers. In the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel, for he has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. There's a sense in which the work that I do in the discipline of chemistry is done for the church, or at least in conjunction with the church. Uh, what do I mean by this? Well, I mean that when I teach my chemistry classes here at Covenant, that's a part of me sounding forth his glories with reverence. It's part of doing what Psalm 22 tells us to do in the congregation, in the assembly. In a sense, that's what we get to do right here, what we're doing right now. Praise God for that opportunity. Uh, you didn't think that you'd be able to get out of here without a reference to the already not yet, did you? Already now, what we're participating in here is a foretaste of heaven, participating with the saints and declaring God's glory. It's a foretaste of heaven. Now, we've not yet entered into that in all of its fullness. We look forward to doing that someday. But there is a sense in which sounding forth the glories of God with reverence is a foretaste of heaven. I don't do this perfectly make progress and fits and starts, but it's, uh, it's part of the joy of serving him now. So just in conclusion, I would ask you the question, who are you listening to? Are you listening to the, the world and the answers that it gives you, or are you listening to the scriptures? You do have enemies out there who are out to deceive you. You have Satan. You have the world. You have your own flesh. If you pay no attention, if you do not struggle, you will drift. For there is a current, a tendency, a pull away from God. The Christian life is a fight, my friends. The New Testament does not speak about armor and use battle language for no good reason. You shouldn't be deceived about this either. Uh, praise God, though, the one who is within you is stronger than the one who is in the world. We have a helper. He helps you fight the fight. He helps you obey. He prepares your heart to follow him, and he enables you to listen to Scripture. Let's close in prayer. Lord and our God, we thank you that you have not left us or forsaken us, that you have given us your spirit. Thank you for the opportunity we had to hear your word preached yesterday in the congregation of your people. For the opportunity we had to gather with your saints in your presence, call upon your name. 
We ask that you would cause our hearts to be like that fertile soil that the seed fell on, took root and grew and bore forth much fruit. We would ask that you would help us to grow closer to you through our studies, that you would bless the efforts that are being undertaken at this college, help these things to be done to your honor and to your glory. We would pray that you would continue to draw us to yourself, that you would put to death our sinful nature, and that you would bring to life that new person within us, that you conform us to the likeness and image of your Son. It's in his name that we pray all this. Amen. You're dismissed.